This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Claire, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I am doing great, and it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we were having a little bit of fun before we hit record, and I can tell, like you said, it's going to be a good one, Uh, especially if you do a lot of these. You can almost tell right away as you start talking to somebody. So uh, tradition around here is to ask, Claire, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs or working professionals, creatives? Uh, A little bit of both. So I am the product of a solo business owner and a school teacher. Um, So neither parent was part of, you know, big corporate um, conglomerates or anything like that. So, so definitely more of an entrepreneurial bent, even if they never consider themselves entrepreneurs. Okay. All right. And as you reflect on that, if you took a moment to reflect on that, how did that sort of inform your decision to develop sort of the, the life you're leading now with the work that you're doing and uh, HR and all of that industry? Was it some sort of something that you saw growing up and promised yourself you were going to work towards, or did you end up in HR and go, wow, how did I end up here? <laughs> uh, so, so definitely did not envision myself ending up in HR. Um, but I do think that the, the walks of life that my parents pursued heavily influenced and informed my own journey. Um, so much so that I had sworn I would never work in corporate America. And then, of course, lo and behold, coming out of college, that's where the opportunities were. That's where the learning opportunities were. Um, and so I spent the early part of my career and the bulk of my career to date in corporate roles. Um, but in hindsight, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world because it, it really gave me a lot of structure, a lot of access to be- best practices, um, some great opportunity to work with amazing people, you know, that I still consider very good friends and family. Um, but it also underscored for me a lot of things that I knew I didn't want to do, either as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah, I think all of that kind of informed the 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 winding and pivoting path that I've been taking. I love it. Uh, there's a lot of people who had maybe a couple of jobs in their career and they were literally able to take the blueprints of the best of that and then launch their own thing. Is that sort of what happened with Talent Boost? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I formed Talent Boost in 2013. So so I'm coming up on 10 years in business as an entrepreneur, um, as a business owner. So I'm kind of defying the odds from that perspective. Um, and I spent kind of two years, my my gap years, if you will, um, between corporate, leaving corporate in 2011 and forming Talent Boost in 2013, um, because I didn't really have this grand plan or this framework for how I was going to build out my own company. Um, it really kind of came to me from a sort of a, a, a wake-up call that I got while I was in corporate that propelled me out of corporate into the great unknown. And then it took me a couple of years to really find my focus. 
a wake up call. This sounds like dun dun dun. What happened here? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the story if you're ready for it. Please, please. All right. We're waiting. So, yeah. So let's see. So it was back in 2011, uh, early in the year. I was uh, vice president of human resources for a, a very large division of a global environmental company, and I was traveling all the time. I was literally like packed up my office into one of these traveling briefcases. Um, because I was on the road three three weeks out of four. And I had sort of some some health red flags that the younger me would have ignored. And I would have said, yeah, you know, I'm still young. It's just because I'm traveling. It's adrenaline. It's whatever. And something told me not to ignore it. And long story short, that ended up being a, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so that came in like the spring of 2011. And it was one of those things where you know, like there's never a good time to take time off. There's never a good time to start a family. There's never really a good time to deal with cancer, right? And so because I had to take a, a month off of work, I had to do surgery, I had to do follow-up treatments, you know, all this, all this fun stuff. And I had to go from 150 miles an hour to zero. No email, no meetings, no interacting with anyone at work. Had to delegate my entire role to other people. Unfortunately, I had a really, really great team. And so while I was spending that month, you know, post-surgery kind of recovering, I had the great fortune to be able to sit in the silence and finally not be able to outrun that voice in my head that had been trying to ask me, are you doing what you're passionate about? And since I couldn't outrun that voice anymore, I had to admit the answer was no. I loved the company. I loved the people I was working with and for and leading, but it just wasn't revving my internal engine. And once you have that kind of an answer, you have to do something with that, right? And so I spent the rest of that month kind of reflecting on, okay, well, if this isn't it, what is it? What's the quest, right? What do I really want to be doing? And I talked to a couple of you know, mentors and trusted advisors and family, um, went back into work. I gave notice. Uh, I had a protracted kind of um, exit ramp. So I didn't end up leaving until uh, mid-October of that year. Um, and it was it was interesting because once I sort of made that acknowledgement that this isn't really where I wanted to be anymore, and this is what I wanted to move toward, and I started to speak that out loud to people that I worked with, people would stop me in the hall and say, do you have to smile so much? Like, do you have to look so happy about your decision? You know, and it was like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not faking this. Like I just, you know, there was this moment of clarity that came through literally through having cancer, right? Because it, it permanently divided my life into before and after. And it, it got me to stop using the excuse of complacency and comfort and job stability to finally go on that quest that I that I that I knew internally and I knew deep down I really needed to be pursuing. Oh wow. I mean that that is a narrative if I've ever heard and one of inspiration. Now Jason himself has run multiple companies uh pretty much as long as I can as as I listen to his own story like most of his story is like legitimately that on top of also serving a military career and I think to myself you know people make these choices that just define their lives and, and, and define them as entrepreneurs. And I think the way that you ask that question 
and said, well, you have to do something with that answer. There are some people who would emphatically say, yeah, but what am I going to do? And you did it, which is what makes you an entrepreneur. So before we go any further, I want to turn it over to Jason, who I know shares the same DNA of entrepreneurialism and have his reflections on sort of your journey so far. Yep. I have probably said this 260 times is most things are born out of some necessity, right? And some people choose to embrace them and some people choose to run from them. And that entrepreneurial spirit, business spirit, whatever bucket you want to put yourself in, right? Really for most people is defined by some action in their life that pushed them to that. Be it, I grew up in it, right? My parents were business owners, or I had uncles and aunts or somebody in my family that inspired me to do it. Or there was a train wreck in my life at some point, And I had two choices. One was a forcing choice. One was not. So there's all these dynamics to, you know, why people make the decision to jump off that, you know, business owner cliff, because that's exactly what it is. There ain't nothing easy about it, right? So when you make that cognizant choice to bail off that cliff and start building wings on the way down, you remove yourself from the place of comfort, the place of, I just got to show up every day and do my job half-ass decent, and I'm going to get a paycheck at the end of the month type of thing. But no, 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 no more is that, right? That doesn't exist anymore. And it takes a very special type of person to do that too. And some do well at it. Some have epic failure at it and they end up right back where they started. So I always just find it really interesting how probably 90 some percent of the stories that we, you know, we listen to on this podcast a lot of them come from the same place, right? And it just goes to show the entrepreneurial journey is very much fixed to a certain type of person. It's not yeah. everybody. It is certainly not everybody. And every single entrepreneur I've ever spoken with has that type of story, right? That transformational mm-hmm. event or moment or epiphany or I've referred to it before as a metaphysical sledgehammer that woke them up to say, this isn't what my life was supposed to be about, right? And then there's that really small percentage of entrepreneurs who just decided they want to start their own business because to your point, Jason, they're kind of running away from something else. Well, I don't like where I am, so I'm going to give this a try. And I've noticed that the failure rate of those entrepreneurs who don't really have a driving force compelling them onto that quest and are just doing it because, well, this doesn't work. So let me try that. Um, The failure rate for them is much higher. Right. And we know the failure rates for all entrepreneurs is like, is, is dismal and can intimidate, you know, the best of us um, and talk a lot of people out of going on the journey, but it's to me, and I'm sure you're the same way. It's the journey of it. It's the self-discovery. It's the pivots. It's the it's the every single day I get to shape the playground that I operate in, the clients I get to talk to, let alone serve. Um, it's all of that sort of self-control and self-empowerment and self-drive that entrepreneurs who are truly, you know, have that kind of DNA thrive on. 
and others are just scared to death to to even contemplate that. I mean, that's that's the only way to really put it. And you're right. There are a lot of people out there who are running from something instead of towards something. And that makes all the difference, uh, all the difference, because it's like people who are focused on I don't want to lose versus I'm playing to win. Right. <laughs> There's a big Absolutely. difference, big difference. And uh, and your story is definitely one of those where uh, you took a situation that would normally crush someone's spirits and you said, OK, well. Let me take a hard look at my life. And if I have to make these hard choices, well, I'm going to be honest with myself right away and say, yeah, this isn't what I wanted to do. And as I reflect on the fact that things have changed drastically, why well, keep doing what I clearly don't want to do? And that's just very entrepreneurial. That's just a pivot, right? All that was, was a pivot for an entrepreneur. It's the most natural experience possible. Uh, that's just why sales is also easy for a real entrepreneur. Oh, you don't want my services? That's fine. Okay, cool. Okay, they're not qualified. Anyways, you know, right, right. All these things that for everyone else, they would take it as rejection, right? <laughs> so it's just really fascinating to see that. And, and I, that's why I'm, I want to make sure we extra emphasize and highlight that sort of characteristic and behavior for those who are listening, because that is super important for them to reflect on their own behavior attitudes about this. Because as we've said here, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. This isn't the, you'd probably have an easier time working for somebody else and make probably more money if, if you're lucky uh, doing that because you don't have to worry about payroll. And, I mean, you know. And yeah. so with Talent Boost, what was it like securing your first client for you? Well, it was, so it was interesting. My first um, true client because you know in those in those two kind of gap years I was doing a lot of trial and error and I think every entrepreneur can relate to that journey as well right um but my first true client was actually someone with whom I had worked in my corporate days and he had gone out he had left um, the the corporate nest a couple of years before I did and he called me out of the blue and I was literally on the road doing some work for a client but it was kind of freelance sort of you know, uh, one-off project. And he called me out of the blue and he said, you know, I don't know if you're going to hang up on me. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, with that kind of lead in, I don't know where this is going to go. Right. And he said, um, but I was just asked to start up the North American subsidiary of this, of this European company. Um, and I really need an HR manager to, to come on board to my team and help me build out the team. And I said, well, I'm not going to hang up on you. I appreciate the invite. Uh, I'm going to respectfully decline because now that I've gotten a taste of kind of being out there on my own in business for myself, I don't want to go back and work for anyone else. But what I will do is help you build out your team as a consultant. And what started out as literally finding him his first employee, and this was back in, this was in early 2012. So I hadn't even formed my company yet. I was still kind of forging my path, right? But he knew me from the past. So he, you know, I had a, a, a reputational equity kind of built up with him. He knew my capabilities before I even could figure out well, what's my brand positioning? What's my logo going to be? What's the company name? He cut through all of that and said, I want to work with Claire. And, you know, fast forward to today, where that company remains one of my clients, that very first employee I found for him is now running the company because that first person who called me has retired. Um, 
it became such a such a success story, but also so also a pattern for my own success in terms of I didn't have to stand up a brand and let that brand speak for me as much as just, you know, the, the, having a company called Talent Boost, it, it it's great for, you know, some people who need kind of that positioning. Um, and I've certainly leaned on it as a platform, but I have found that my best clients, my best relationships with people that I serve in really impactful ways come from the relationship they build with Claire Chandler, not with a vendor called Talent Boost. Yeah, I can get behind that. The oftentimes <laughs> your personal brand can far exceed the impact that your business brand can have when having business interactions. Because at the end of the day, there are people behind businesses and people like working with people they like to work with. And business is too hard to sit there and work with people you cannot and will not absolutely stand for it, right? Oh man, you know what? You you stole my (laughs) mantra. I always said, especially during that transformational pivot out of the corporate complacency and the certainty of a paycheck to this on, you know, this uncertainty of the entrepreneurial journey, which I think is a differentiator for us entrepreneurs, right? We embrace uncertainty. We don't, we don't hide from that. But I always said that mantra, it's like life is too short to spend it with people that you don't love, right? Doing work that you don't love, making impacts that you can't see that fulfill you in addition to helping them move their business forward. If you're not doing it out of love, if you're not doing it out of service, if you're not doing it out of you know, impact in ways that, that lift you up. Why are you doing it? Yeah. A little interesting fun fact. So um, I have always led with a company always. I've always led by company, by company title, brand, all that stuff. Cause I was always, I was never that person that was like, the Instagram family and all that kind of hoo-ha stuff, right? That was never, ever me. I, and people always told me, oh, you're just going to have to break down and do it. And it's like, no, never doing it. Um, and I never have. But what I did was I stole a little idea from Linktree, right? Um, if you've heard of Linktree where you it's all your links or whatever under Linktree, right? So instead of doing that simplistically, what I did was I took all 13 of my companies and I created jasonmiller.vip out of that. And I'm leading with me. And now I can, when you go to the site, it lists my companies very beautifully on that website. Um, And it's basically a giant link tree is what it is. And I've found over the last probably six to eight months that get more accomplished leading that way into the market because the markets have changed so much over the last shit, even three months. And so you have to do something to be a little bit different. And I'm finding that approach is working really great. So it's actually a little frustrating. You've been doing it for years. And <laughs> it took you know me what? this it's long to figure it out. Right? <laughs> one of the biggest frustrations of being an entrepreneur is the benefit of hindsight. And when you yeah. get those sort of epiphanies and you go, why wasn't that crystal clear to me six months ago or two years ago? Mm. Like, look at all this time that I wasted. But then the more you reflect on that, you go, no, there was a reason it took me longer. There was a reason I had to go through this, this crucible. You're a military guy, so you appreciate yeah. that, right? 
there are certain trials, there are certain stumbles, there are certain lessons we have to learn that make that epiphany that much sharper and brighter and clearer and actionable. I was just going to ask you, what kind of advice would you leave behind as a bottom line? Look, you want to get into the into the world of business, bottom line, this is what you have to be ready for. I feel like you just addressed that, but I'll leave it open and ask you, is there any bottom line advice that you'd love to leave behind in this conversation for a listener? Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind, it's going to be wrapped in a little bit of a story. Um, I love that. <laughs> because and, and I think it segues quite naturally from from Jason, the epiphany that you've had that you're that you are now leading with yourself first and your uniqueness and having your brands kind of underneath you. So back in 2011 and 2012, when I was still doing kind of post-surgery follow-up, I was getting, you know, blood tests and all sorts of things. Like it felt like every day, but I think it was like once a month. And I would, you know, you'd have to go in and 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 kind of uh get your, get your blood work done. And I remember one time I was in the waiting room, um, waiting to be called up and they called my name and I, you know, hopped up off my seat and I walked, walked in the back, got my blood draw, got that done. It, by the way, growing up huge needle phobic. So, you know, uh-huh. got, got real used to needles, um, through this whole process. So I guess that's a silver lining anyway. So I'm walking out of the doctor's office and this woman was in the waiting room and she stopped me and she said, I have to tell you, you have the happiest walk I've ever seen. And it just sort of brightened my day considering where we are that you walk like that. And I just have kind of a bouncy well, I don't know, people always remark on it. And what was interesting was six about 6 months before that, my boss at the time, I was still in corporate. I was walking from probably the ladies room back to my office and he stopped me in the hall and he goes, "I need you to tone down your walk." I said, "So, what now?" And he goes, "It's really kind of like bouncy and it's too happy." And you know, th- there are people in HR that kind of wonder if you're up to something. Like, huh? Okay. So thanks for the input. I'll take that under advisement. And then when I fast forward to that interaction with that woman in the waiting room, it's like, this is why I don't change my walk. This is why I wasn't really ever quite the fit in the corporate box, right? Because they're constantly telling you, whoa, don't show that much of your personality. And so my takeaway to anybody in business, whether you are in the corporate world, you are out on your own, you are trying to figure out what your own entrepreneurial offer to the world is going to be is don't tone down your walk for anyone. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, That's the Lord. title right there. Yeah. <laughs> the minute, so, you know, if I was your coworker and I saw the new that, I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I'm going to go have it. Cause there's no way I, 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 oh. and, and as an entrepreneur, yeah. right. Conformity <laughs> and going vanilla and playing it safe is the death knell for your entrepreneurial journey. The minute you find yourself modeling after somebody else, you know, there are mentors, there are role models, that's all great. Use that for inspiration, use that for guidance, draw some best practices. But if it doesn't feel aligned with who you are and what revs you up, don't follow it. Like get get back in touch with, if you've lost sight of it, what you are about, what makes you unique, what makes you fulfill the playground you want to be in and go after that because that's your differentiator. And Jason, back to your point about you are now the brand. That's what people are going to be attracted to. It's not mm-hmm. how fancy you name your company or how dazzling your website is. It's are you the type of person they want to spend time with? Because people eventually realize that life is too short not to. Indeed. Oh. 
I mean, I know the moment that you you had told us a story where they told you, can you tone down the walk? Both Jason and I were like, oh, really? But it was so symptomatic and emblematic of the corporate environment uh, and of that quote unquote leader in particular. That was the focus was to encourage and demand sameness. And back to that cancer diagnosis, I could have seen that as an invitation to settle. I could have seen that as an invitation to say, you know what? I've got this long road ahead of me. I need the benefits. I need the security of a paycheck. I need a paid time off. I'm going to stay. And a lot of people do that. And I instead heard that as this loud voice and this bright light that said, this is the universe telling you, you need to go after what you want because otherwise you're going to blink and it's going to be 10 years down the road and you will have missed your shot. Don't tone down your walk for anyone. There it is, Claire. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the perfect moment to take a quick step aside and just let people know that this episode was made possible by a company named ProShark with Joel Phillips. And essentially, if you are in these stages of like walking out of your corporate job and deciding to launch something, you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. What technologies am I going to need? Right. Uh, is it e-commerce? Cause I'm going to set up some shopping carts or, you know what? I got to make sure all my clients information is secure. You name it, whatever the tech stack is, even into the marketing realm of things. ProShark can help you do all of that. They can help you get off the ground. And if you're a company that's already been established and you're looking at your tech stack and going, wow, I really need to update this stuff, but migrating it all is going to be a pain. And I don't even know what that's going to look like. They can help you too. Whether you're starting or transforming, ProShark's got your back. You can tell them you heard about them on the War Room podcast. Uh, You can go to ProShark.com and just tell them the War Room sent you. So with that said, let's come back to this, Claire. Your story has been phenomenal. It's been amazing and inspiring. And you're an excellent storyteller, which is another characteristic and behavior that I want entrepreneurs and would-be business owners to essentially really reflect on the way that you deliver things. Because I think it's important for people to develop the skill, especially as leaders. How else are we supposed to help remain in the people's hearts and then lift them from there. I can see why you'd be at human resources as an industry and how you can actually unlock and tap into people's potential, the human potential business, right? That's, that's really where, where you're at here. And so for me, as I reflect on these things, one of my biggest curiosities then is, uh, and, and, and I think we're, we're in good time for this, right? The grand finale, Jason. Yeah. I, I, I really am curious about this. If you could have invited anyone, Claire, I don't mean anyone, Dead or alive to be a part of this conversation today, to hear your story, to hear the way you turn things around. Who would you have invited into this room and why specifically them? I love that question. So, and I'm going to have to explain this one, but I, but I would love to invite Elon Musk um, for a variety of reasons. One of which is, you know, you, you, you want to, especially as an entrepreneur, first of all, acknowledge you don't have all the answers and you don't know everything. Um, when I work with leaders, even in large organizations, I have to remind them of that, you know, that you don't know everything. Your people know you don't know everything. So stop pretending that you do. But Elon Musk is one of those guys that if I could just spend 30 seconds in a room with him, I would feel smarter. Um, this is a guy who personifies long-term vision so much so that when I work with, uh, with teams, when I work with HR organizations, when I work with executive teams on getting them working together more effectively, I call upon Elon Musk and his mission to colonize Mars. 
And it's really his mission, right? NASA kind of has a mission, but they're sort of like big corporate, right? They get bogged down by bureaucracy and approvals and you know procurement and all of that. Elon Musk said, we need a contingency plan for Earth. We've got to do it on Mars. We've got to get there you know, sooner than later. Um, and we've got to stage that, right? We can't just try to get to Mars right away. We've got to sort of you know, establish a, a sustainable way to get back and forth with resources and people. We've got to establish a base camp on the moon so we can kind of practice things because um, Mars is a thousand times farther away than than the moon. It's all these things. And so I, I use that framework and that metaphor when I work with teams to envision even their five-year trajectory and say, if that's your Mars mission, how do we kind of get there and how do we stage gate that? And I just think spending any amount of time in any type of room, physical or virtual, with Elon Musk, um, my brain would just expand and explode. Um, he's just he's just this, you know, never settle, uh, never rest in your laurels guy that is always demanding the best out of himself, his people and the planet. I love it. You're right. It's like that meme that's going around on Twitter. What did you do today? Right. What did you do this week or whatever? It's like, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. 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 There's just, yeah. There's just no way, you know, people could say what they want. And I understand why some people will have whatever opinions they do, but what they don't understand is he's also not pretending to know everything. He's just asking serious questions and any entrepreneur can watch someone like that in action and go, Oh, that's a, that's a hell of a hell of a step to take. I, I you got to respect it, you know, um, regardless of what it may look like. Because everyone who's ever borne any kind of risk knows, damn, that's a lot of risk. Yeah. Let's see how it turns out. We're almost expecting failure, and we're sure that he is too. But it's what we do with it afterwards, right? So I really, I really love all of your answers to that because people have responded to that question in a number of ways. But I love that you took the initiative, and again added some clarity behind it. And I think a lot of what you've exhibited with your storytelling, the way you take time to add clarity and context to everything that you do, it shows the power of your ability to communicate. And in a world like today, where everything is digital communication, I believe that you are an example of exemplary communication in a digital world. And I think that's really important. And you even have a message behind that, which is don't let anyone ever tell you how to walk. Don't let them change your walk. Don't let them change your attitude about life. And all of that came together in this episode. And I think it's a really important one. And it's a great way to set the tone too for the day. So thank you so much. Those are my thoughts, but it is tradition around here for Jason to close us out. So I'll let him do that. Awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't make it 20 seconds in a corporate office. (laughs) 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 That's for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, what a wonderful episode. I uh, I feel blessed to have been able to have you on the show and share that because that was very powerful. Um, and the way you tied it all together was just amazing. And, uh, you know, we all have the same 168 hours a week. You decided to spend 30 with us today. And uh, that means something. So thank you very much for being on the show and being a part of our community. Well, thank you both very much uh, for the opportunity. It was an honor. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.